Hello, you're listening to a special um, episode, special segment of the Land Podcast where we bring on people that aren't total clowns um, to do my work for me. Um, so today I'm joined by Adrian, friend of the show from Civic Lex. Adrian, tell us about yourself first. Um, well, first off, I'm very honored to be considered. I'm very honored to be in the not a clown category. Mm -hmm. of, it's hard to get into. Of lame guests and friends. That's a great mm -hmm. privilege. I feel like <laughs> I'm probably in the clown category of many other segments of my life. But mm -hmm. lame backing me up, supporting yeah. me. Yeah. <laughs> it's like that meme when no one else got me i know lame got me <laughs> it's true it's true uh, adrian yeah so um um i'm adrian bryant i am the uh, news editor for civic Lex. i was there um last year as like the main journalist going to all of the city hall meetings and writing most of the newsletter um now um mostly because of small nonprofit things and money and such i've kind of stepped back and we have uh jillian who's doing most of the journalism stuff and like day-to-day -day things and then i edit the newsletter and talk about what things need to go in general text stuff blah 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 things like that um and that is my civic lex world i wear many other hats out and about in lexington that aren't super relevant to here but that is um those are my civic lex credentials cool all right so folks um you may have uh noticed that we um for some reason haven't been talking about this in our normal show because i'm lazy even though it's maybe the number one news story that this podcast would be covering and that is of course the urban service boundary which you all know and love it's been expanded it's been expanded um and honestly the process leading up to it is so confusing and adrian has done such a great job i think of covering it um that i just decided i need to go straight to the horse's mouth how do how does one how does the city council go about actually expanding uh the urban service boundary how does this start all right so this is all tied to um city has a document called the comprehensive plan mm -hmm. um by, by state law any city or community that has zoning of any kind has to have a comprehensive plan that they update every five years it's a little odd when yet when we're trying to educate people about it because it's updated every five years but it's supposed to look forward 20 years like the yes. vision of the comprehensive plan is supposed to be about they're calling it like like imagine lexington 2045 is the name of this current comprehensive plan okay that's like the time range it's supposed to cover in scope but they're going to work on it again in what i guess 2028 or something like that uh -huh. or 20 something like that so yeah. um so lexington's comprehensive plan it's a huge document it's it and the budget are the two most important things that council works on mm -hmm. i don't know which one is more important i guess that depends on you know your own values or whatever but it comp plans up there uh -huh. so um, it has several different themes, and and I want to say, even though we're going to talk about the urban service boundary the whole time, which is good because it's incredibly important, comprehensive plan is so, so, so much more than the urban service boundary. So mm -hmm. anyone interested in learning about it, go to civiclex.org. We've got all the juice on it. So, yeah. yeah. Um, but I, so I want to put that out there. But anyway, one of the elements of it is about the urban service boundary. Mm -hmm. And every year or every five years whenever comp plan comes up for revision there's always a conversation about whether or not to expand um 
So let's rewind the clock to 2018, which was the last comprehensive plan, like revision cycle. Yes, um, I remember it fondly. Yeah, um, I do not. I did not live in Lexington at the time. So wow, um, not there to. I've only lived here a couple of years. I moved here um, in 2021. Mm. Uh, but uh, in 2018, there was, of course, the discussion and there was a vote to expand it, but the vote failed. And so the language that ended up in the comprehensive plan was that the council and planning commission and planning staff, they all had to, in the next five years, mm -hmm. they had to develop a, um, a plan to determine, hmm, how do I want to word this? A plan to determine when the urban service boundary should be expanded. The, the phrase they always use is a data-driven plan. So trying to be like, how can we build a framework that we can look at and see like, oh, well, housing stock is be behind being built by this much and rent mm -hmm. is this much and jobs are, you know, all these different statistical measures. How can we build out a framework that once these certain statistical triggers are hit that we can be like, all right, this is the time to expand the urban service boundary. Mm -hmm. uh, and part of the reason for the emphasis on like the data driven portion of it is that the last time the urban service boundary was expanded was in 1996. Mm -hmm. All of that became the Hamburg area. And the reputation of that expansion is not good. No one thinks that they did a good job. Yes, it's an official lame podcast opinion that Hamburg should be sort of carpet bombed and rebuilt. But you know, <laughs> um, anyway, I will. You know, it's so the what it wasn't exactly a lot of the hit on the '96 expansion was that they just drew like an arbitrary line. It mm -hmm. wasn't exactly that arbitrary. But it wasn't the most well considered, I will say. So, sure. so that's why I think the legacy of that was so bad that in 2018, the council was like, we need to figure out a way to expand that doesn't just make us look like idiots in the next 10 years, essentially. Yes, that um, would be nice. I mean, and and also, and I, I say that, um, I do think that's true, but also like a lot of it is like genuine desire for council to do it right. It's not all like a reputation or well, like a game or something like that sure um, yeah i think yeah. those are kind of go hand in hand in a yeah. more ways than you'd think mm -hmm. but so so the idea was once 2018 comp plan was adopted mm -hmm. that the city would develop this data-driven plan to figure out when the urban service boundary should be expanded this did not happen um yeah no really <laughs> began being done on it until in um early late 2020 early 2021 and we were talking off mic earlier about like the different task force around and how that was gonna yes be conversation this is the start of the subsequent four billion tasks forces that have been built around this yes so the first one is the uh there's this the city did a sustainable growth study and pretty much what it was supposed to do and what it does exist it's been adopted was that they the planning commission and planning staff worked with consultants to pretty much set up these like not they didn't set up necessarily the triggers but they set up like the the data that would be looked at to figure out the triggers. so things about like home prices rent um jobs created, jobs mm -hmm. lost in other counties, like all of these things that council talks about all the time in relation to the urban service boundary. They pre the sustainable growth study 
essentially what it does is it looks at all of those numbers and it analyzes three different scenarios um, for how growth or what Lexington could do. So it's like if Lexington decided not to expand the urban service boundary, here's how this data would change over the next how many years. Um, if Lexington expanded a little bit, here's what would happen. And if Lexington expands a lot, here's what would happen. It's pretty that's the gist of it. It's incredibly complicated and mm -hmm. very awful. But that data is coming in every year. So every year, council will hear a presentation about it on that data. So that's one element of this. Um, and that's just that's just numbers. That's all numbers. That doesn't necessarily call for any decisions or even decide these statistical triggers. It's just like, here is the data set from which you should figure out where you want to go with. Uh -huh. Does that make a little bit of sense? Sure. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Um, so anyway, the sustainable growth study just lays out the digits on um, all these different factors. So that gets adopted by council as something they want to, you know, have as like the numerical foundation for things in 2021. Um, so, so that happens. Then after that, or maybe slightly concurrently, but mostly after, there's a group called the um, Goal 4 Work Group. Yes. Um, yes. These Their people... Job, their job is to develop the actual plan for um, not when to expand necessarily, but how to expand. Um, so they're supposed to kind of build out like the um, sort of like what the triggers will be like for how we know when we need to expand. Um, they're supposed to identify the land for how or the land that is developable that could be expanded pretty much just laying out like when we expand in the future, this is what it's going to look like. Uh -huh. These are the um, people that put out those maps very recently. Yes. Um, okay. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So all, so those maps that you've seen floating around all come from the goal for work group um, plan, which was published in December of this past year. Uh -huh. um, and um I'll, I'll, I guess I should say the goal for work group started in 2022, not 2021. That was my bad. Uh -huh. um, but anyway, so they worked through 2022 to develop a plan for like when expansion happens, this is what it should look like. Um, and I will try to put this delicately. Um, okay. It definitely did not go the way that people hoped in that, like I said earlier, the 2018 comprehensive plan said that we need to figure out all of these steps for how expansion should look, how to figure out a data-driven way forward. Um, but no nothing got started until like late 2020, early 2021. Like none of the, the ball did not get started rolling until very, very late. Um, huh. Okay. It was like beginning to approach like the 2022, 2023 comprehensive plan revision. So they got started incredibly late and Therefore, the work was very rushed, and I think that the assessment of the Goal 4 work group plan by the general public and by council um, is just that it feels very incomplete. So it set out, it set out a very rough way to expand, um, like, again, and it didn't make any recommendations on if it should be expanded now or in the future. It's just like whenever a council decides to do it, here's what they need to do. 
but it was a very, very rough and somewhat unfinished, um, I would say, it's like kind of his reputation plan about that. So no one's terribly happy with it. Um, and one thing that um, happens whenever that comes out is that everyone talks about the map. They only talk about that map. and what The this, damn map. The, the damn map. So um, for any listeners who don't know about this map, they identified, um, I don't remember how many acres off the top of my head, um, but acres outside the urban service boundary that they considered developable. Like this is land that if we expand the urban service boundary, this is land that could be built upon. And the yeah. idea behind like the criteria about developable, um, there's, I mean, there's a lot of different things, but one thing to consider is that Lexington has the purchase of development rights or the PDR program mm-hmm. where the state will purchase, purchase the development rights of a farm. So what that means is they don't purchase the farm. They don't own the land, but the development rights means that if I own a big farm out in the county and I sell it to Jenry or Aaron, that you that you all cannot develop anything on that farm. It pretty much just says, like, this is a farm for the rest of eternity, for as long as we have a city government or a federal, whatever, for as long as this governmental framework we have exists. This and, is a farm. And if the city purchased my development rights for my farm, I would, like David Glover suggested, allow people to visit it like a park. Um yeah, which is the I only know. reason I know about PDR. Yeah, that was a that was a fiery presentation. Whenever he talked about that, um, yeah, they should so, bring that guy back. I know, I know, you're not here to give a political opinion, but they should bring that guy back. He would. I really, I really enjoyed his time on the council. <laughs> I've seen him around a few times. He's still in the uh-huh. loop things. Um, but uh, anyway, so um. So there's the PDR stuff. That means that so that like sets a pretty fine limit on how many how much land outside the urban service boundary can be developed. Mm-hmm. Um, the PDR program's goal is to get to I believe I believe it's forty thousand acres of protected land, and they're they're past thirty thousand. So they're okay. very so there's a yeah. lot of land. So when you look at that map and you see all of these green areas, the green that is all mm-hmm. PDR land that cannot. Yeah ever be built upon and so when you look back at that map there's these gray areas that mostly go the biggest one that goes out winchester road all the way to the county line yeah and then there are pockets here and there that is the land that is considered developable because yeah. it's not PR. and almost more importantly than that is this word sewerable i would say yeah sewerable land sewerable is like you know, if you make the joke about like, oh, they said such and such thing, take a shot. Sewerable is the word in all of this discussion. Yes. One because, of my new favorite words. <laughs> yeah. Um, a, a fake word that is a very, a very important fake word. Um, uh-huh. So, and that is just like, how easy is it to build sewers? Because in Lexington and Fayette County, because of the, you know, the trademark rolling hills, of the bluegrass. Yes. It's incredibly hard to build build sewers in some places. Yes, uh, and our and, uh, and trademark and our trademark EPA consent decree too. Yeah, that you know, and that, um, yeah, and that was discussed less than the just like the logistics, but that is an, a very important factor in all of this. Yeah. Um, so, so anyway, goal four work group they developed this plan that generally is received pretty coldly. I will say. Um, and and then everyone talks about the map, which takes 
away from the substance of the plan and it's a mm -hmm. whole saga. So anyway, um, and also I should say they wanted, um, they wanted all of this to be done before the new council was inaugurated. The goal, I mean, honestly, yeah. the goal was to have this the comp plan done by like October. Uh huh. And that just did not happen. Yeah. Um, so, so the only people to really have taken initiative from this was that one session of council between, you know, from like 2020 to 2022. Yeah. Or 21 uh, to 22. Yeah. Yeah. And, um, so it was that, yeah, this this previous council uh -huh. um, that uh, that David Kloiber was on. Um, yes. That was the council that got the ball rolling on it. And also, I should say that, um, I mean, that council was a very big part of it. Steve Kay was like uh, former vice mayor Steve Kay, mm -hmm. one who really initiated it um, and kind of steered that ship. Uh, but also planning commission is like very involved in this because that's what they do. Yeah. Um, so. And planning staff as well. I mean, really, the way these things go is planning commission and or council say, like, we want to achieve these things. And then planning staff figures out how the heck that happens. Is uh -huh. More or less how these things go. Yeah. Um, so anyway, the goal for work group finishes their stuff. And then and while all of this is happening, the actual comprehensive plan, the this first starts out with the biggest parts of it, which are the goals and objectives, which are these very, you know, broad forward looking things like these are the things we want the comprehensive plan to achieve. Yes. These goals and objectives are being worked on throughout this entire process in the background. Uh -huh. Yeah. Um, if any of you all, and this is where Jenry and I met at, on the table. Yes. Um, I posted all of that was a way to get public input for the comprehensive plan goals and objectives. Mm -hmm. um, so in, hmm. I can't remember when it was, but sometime late last year, um, planning staff releases their draft of the goals and objectives. And it calls for um, not expanding the urban service boundary. And pretty much, it's pretty much the same as the 2018 comprehensive mm -hmm. goal around the USB, which is just like, don't expand now, continue working on the process so that when we expand, we know what we're doing. It's, it's not the exact same language, but it's pretty, it's the same idea, essentially. Yeah. Um, the planning staff releases that draft. Planning commission, they make a few um, revisions around the whole plan, but um, but they adopt those goals and objectives. So that is, so the way that works is just the planning commission gets to vote on all of this stuff before it gets to council. Uh-huh. They're the first step um, or the first voting step. So they vote, I believe, unanimously to adopt the goals and objectives, one of which says don't expand the urban service boundary. Uh -huh. So council begins working on these goals and objectives earlier this year, earlier 2023. And we have a new council. We have six new members. Mm -hmm. and, um, and I was very excited for this and the budget happening at the same time because of those yes. that earlier, the two most important documents in Lexington. Yeah. So so seeing them work on those at the same time, I was like, this is where we'll find out the new or what the identity of this council is. Like, what do they actually care about? Yes. Um, and so what the the way the council worked on these goals and objectives was they um, they heard a lot of presentations and took in a lot of information from planning staff and different stakeholders. And then they held meetings that pretty much went through goal 
goal and objective through goal and objective, like one at a time, just mm -hmm. like working on all of the wording. Yeah. Um, so they're doing that. And before the meeting where the urban service boundary vote happens, there are two lobbying groups that um, are key players in this. Lexington yes. for Everyone and Fate Alliance. Uh -huh. Fate Alliance has been around for a while. And yes. they are a, um, how, would I, how would I describe their mission very cleanly? They They're into horses. They're into horses. They are into horses. <laughs> They advocate for um, what they call smart growth policies. So things like urban, or I'm sorry, um, I guess it would be some things that like people that call themselves urbanists would more or less buy into. Mm -hmm, so mm -hmm. infill and redevelopment, increasing density across the city, increasing multimodal transportation. So building mm -hmm. bike lanes, improving public transit, all these things. Yeah. While also protecting the horse farms in Fayette County. Yeah. Um, those are like the two pillars of what they do. Um, uh -huh. And then Lexington for Everyone gets formed in, I think, 2021. Yeah, and well, I, I want to say 20... I think the first time we talked about it in the podcast was sometime in, like, mid-2022. Yeah, they um, were around They were around by the time I got the Civic Lex. Oh, um, okay. Which was February of 2022. Um, so, I th But anyway. Yeah, yeah, yeah. One 2022, sometime a couple of years ago. Sure. Um, and they are a group that um, is founded um, in with Commerce Lex and a few other partners. And they are, um, I don't know that they would agree with the assessment that they were created to pretty much advocate for the expansion of the urban service boundary in Little but Elf. That it is, is like, the only thing that they do. That um, I mean, that is like a lot of what they talk about. Um, yes, I definitely think that that's the perception um, amongst people. So, so they are formed and they are lobbying council. They start out a little more tame, but then as like we get closer to crunch time for when this complaint yeah. needs to be adopted, they get much more aggressive. Mm -hmm. uh, and they say um, they release a proposal. It's Lexington for everyone, Commerce Lex, and then a um, a organization of home builders in Lexington. Mm, okay. They all release a proposal that um, asks council to add 5,000 acres to the urban service boundary around the Winchester Road and the eighth, like exit 104, like the Athens mm -hmm. Boothsburg area. Um, yeah. But, and the reason they picked those areas are, uh, those are areas that were um, identified as developable by the Goal 4 work group. Uh-huh. Um, and those areas, uh, and they're near the interstate. Um, and also, I think this is something that almost no one has talked about um, and is probably like the real reason that they were able to make this proposal um, and have it more or less succeed is that we talked about sewerability earlier. Mm -hmm. Those specific areas are, they have sewer infrastructure but because there's not a lot of development out there, they can handle a lot more capacity than they're currently running at. So ah. there has to be some infrastructure added, but a lot of it that would have to be built from scratch if they expanded into other areas already exists. So there's a foundation out there that they can just kind of add a few more pipelines and stuff like there are pump stations and pipes uh -huh. and things like 
there that make those areas much easier and much more cost efficient to expand into than if you pick somewhere else on the map. Hmm. Um, so they release that proposal and they say, council expand 500 or 5,000 acres into these areas. Pretty please. Uh -huh. um, and Fayette Alliance is lobbying very heavily against that. And it's this whole war and um, no one really knows what's going to happen um, uh -huh. with council. So, so we get to the meeting. They, it happened over three meetings, I think, two or three, where council went through and just revised line by line the comprehensive goals and, and uh -huh. the comprehensive plan goals and objectives. So they um they get to uh, theme E, which is like the urban-rural balance thing, uh -huh. which is where USB stuff exists. And um, count District 7 Council Member Preston Worley, who has been very pro-expansion since he got on council. Oh, oh, yes. The most vocal member of council for expansion. Most uh -huh. of them, like, you know, kind of just tiptoe around it and they're scared to talk about it because it's such a salient. Not all of them, but a lot of them, but... Yes. Warley has the whole time been very consistent yeah. about it. It's so he, fascinating to me, honestly. Um, yeah. just... um, so he makes the motion to um, expand the urban service boundary by um, pretty much just like accepting Commerce Lex and Lexington for Everyone's proposal. He uh -huh. proposes to do that um, with some minor tweaks, um, but for the most part, like that's what he motions to do. Um mm -hmm. And uh, everyone, most people on council are pretty relatively on board with it. So he makes that proposal. Um, and Vice Mayor Dan Wu makes some different proposals, um, kind of countering it, but they all pretty much fail. So, yeah. So through, I won't recount like all of the different revisions and amendments and things that are made, but essentially what happens and what is adopted is and let me pull up our article so i get the dates right yes um but because that's a that's a whole component in all of this um so they the language adopted in the comprehensive plan language is that um council will not pick where the areas are going to be expanded into and the reason for that is while the athens boonsboro winchester road area was in warley's original proposal mm -hmm. uh, the division of law said that they can't be that specific because the idea is council like has the final approval of the goals and objectives, but the comprehensive plan is something that's executed and implemented by the planning commission. So the planning commission has somewhat uh, carte blanche is that's too um, expansive, but they have to interpret and implement the comprehensive plan as they yeah. see. Fit. So you can't get that specific. So the changes they make around that is they remove the language about what specific areas. But I mean, I think it's going to be in those spots. Yeah. Like, even though the language doesn't say that now, I'm 90% yeah. sure that's where it's going to be. Yeah. So it's fascinating yeah. to me that um, you, uh, like, as a council, can't just pass like, I don't know, that, that, that blows my mind every time I read, every time I see, like, when, like, legal um uh like like pauses something going on i was like i was like who are you to tell me this 
let me <laughs> let me pass my law. Yeah, um, you would think that, but and a lot of that comes from the state law around like uh-huh. how stuff is or planning things are done. Um, and the idea is that like a planning commission, they're not elected; they're appointed by the mayor, um, and they're confirmed by council, but they are an unelected body. So mm-hmm. that's supposed to make them more independent, and therefore they are, you know, quote unquote, better um, overseers of how planning happens in Lexington. Because, because um, if you've ever attended the city meeting uh, that council has about rezoning or whatever, mm-hmm. it's very intense. And oh yes, and so I think I think it's like a, you know, the intention is certainly correct that planning commission should be able to be more independent because council is just too, they've got too many, too much pressure on them from too many different sides to be able to make a fully informed decision. Mm -hmm. Um, And I'm not talking about this council or any specific council, but just a legislative body in general. Yes. Yes. Um, So anyway, so the, the proposal that's passed is planning commission has to identify between um, 2,700 and 5,000 acres to expand into. And that range is also part of the specificity. They can't just say identify 5,000 acres uh-huh. in Athens Boonesboro area because that's too specific. So uh-huh. then they went in this meeting, they struck out the Athens Boonesboro part and just said 5,000 acres. And mm-hmm. that was not allowed. So um, 2,700 acres is what was eventually adopted. Um, so 27 to 5,000 acres, they Uh have to identify those, um, areas and, um, yeah, so they identify, I was looking at the dates, I'm sorry. So they identify where they want to expand into, which, like I said, I'm, I'm not a gambler Uh and maybe, maybe I shouldn't be saying this as a civic experts, but like, I real I don't see a world where it's not the Winchester Road in Athens Boonesboro area. I just simply don't. Yeah, um, reasons I mentioned earlier. Mm-hmm. So um, most likely it will be there, but um, they have to identify the areas, and then they have to develop a um, like a master plan for pretty much kind of like a mini comprehensive plan for this area that uh-huh. just sets out goals for what kind of development do they want to see? How are they go? How do they want to zone different parcels of not necessarily different parcels, but more, I guess like the, just like zoning breakdown, like how much of this land should be single family zoning versus mm-hmm. mixed use versus commercial versus industrial, like all these different things. Um, and pretty much just establish a vision for what they want this development in this expansion area to look like. They have to do all of that by December 1st, 2024. So they have a year and a half. To uh-huh. figure out that. After that, they will have to, to circle way, way back to this long-term growth management plan, this data-driven uh-huh. plan that's been talked about since 2018. Um, that Once the expansion area plan is done then planning commission and planning staff have to work on the long-term plan and they have until let me pull this back i should have just wrote this down before i got on here hey it's um, all right i didn't yeah. do any prep work either so yeah. august 31st 2026 is when the long-term plan has to be finished okay yeah and one last wrinkle i forgot to mention and this is a real like wild west scenario um uh-huh the planning commission doesn't have their plan done 
by December 1st, 2024 for the expansion area, if they don't have the expansion area stuff done, then there is an automatic expansion. Horrifying. There is no <laughs> no language exists for what that looks like right now. <laughs> like that it is a huge question mark. And that's something that they will probably figure out. Like I'm sure that will be a component of this <laughs> whole conversation as it moves along. But at the moment, an automatic expansion. Uh, you can't see me, listeners, but I'm just shrugging. I don't that's, know what this means. That's um, awesome. That's actually what the A in land stands for, is the secret automatic expansion. Um. And and the reason for that is because, like, as you've probably learned from as a listener in all of this, is mm-hmm. that in the past, Council has asked for many different plans to be drawn up, and... They either get drawn up at the last minute and they're not as good as they should be, or they simply don't happen. Mm. And so, so council, and I should, and maybe we can talk about this later, but like council sees this as a very urgent thing. Um, yes. Because of, because the housing crisis in Lexington is so strong and acute mm-hmm. that I see this as a solution and, uh, and whether or not you agree with them, that is how they feel. And I believe it is a very genuine feeling amongst the council members who supported expansion is that this will be some kind of solution. Um, Yeah. And it's, and it's like, that's what's so um, interesting to me about this debate is it's like, um, it's like, you know, we can talk about expanding and not expanding. And like back in 2018, I felt like so much of the discourse was pretty much uh, surrounded by like um, that, like discussion of just like to expand or not to expand but like now i feel like so uh, you can't you can't talk about expanding without talking about like the general like housing crisis or even just like cost of living crisis in lexington you mm-hmm. know no um, exactly i mean that's that is the reason it passed was housing yeah. full mm-hmm. stop and so now there is an element of it that is it's a not insignificant element but jobs are also a factor um, in that there are employers who actually, actually the best example, this is the thing that happens across different sectors, but the mm-hmm. best example of this is the, um, and I'm so sorry to the listeners for being so all over, but this is, all of this stuff is so interconnected. This is how it is. This is the nature. This is how, yeah. This, this, the yeah. soccer stadium drama. Yes. All of last year. This, this is the best <laughs> example for how. Um, jobs are implicated in this urban service boundary discussion. So mm-hmm. they want to, they, the first site they pick is they want to move downtown into the high street, like that high street development. Yes. Now, but the proposal was accepted by the webs. They were uh-huh. one of the four proposals. Um, that doesn't happen. No. Um, it does mostly because they, um, they were supposed to, they were not supposed to go public with that, but they did it. And Whoops! <laughs> it made all of the decision makers very, very angry. Um, that seems to be a common thing, honestly, with the Lexington Sporting Club is that they love announcing. They, they love announcing stuff. Yeah, no, I mean their media game is strong, public facing, but behind uh-huh. the scenes, kind of enrages a lot of people. I'm um, sure. I, that was one of the thing. I don't honestly get to hear things early all that often, um, as much as. You know, some people might faint, like some people ask me for what's happening behind the scenes on such and such. I'm like, I don't have that much insider information. But uh-huh. I did look at that early that they made all of the 
um, development or like the decision makers and that very angry when they announced. And now that's like the Herald leaders talked about that. So I'm not breaking anything. Um, yeah. But anyway, that so they shoot themselves in the foot by moving for the downtown thing. Mm -hmm. uh, so that's gone. Then they propose that site off like Newtown Pike and Russell Cave Road. Over yes. There. That's right. That's right on the edge of the urban service boundary and very near active horse farms mm -hmm. and farmers and Faith Alliance all advocate against that. And that gets shot down. Mm -hmm. um, and then their most recent and they say, like, if this doesn't work out, we will not be a stadium in Lexington. It's the site off exit 104, um, the over by Athens Boonesboro Road. Yeah. Which, just a small wrinkle, um, although I think maybe relevant to another reason why that area will most likely be the eventual expansion area is that little pocket right around the exit is it's called a rural activity center. Um, huh. which means that it was it was an area that was developed before the merger happened. So there, are a few, so there are a few pockets and you can maybe notice this when you're driving out any of the major corridors that it's horse farms forever. And then there's just like a gas station and a McDonald's and you're like, yes, I think that's supposed to be allowed out here. That's uh -huh. because it was there um, or that type of development at least was there before the city county merger. happened. Yes. So yeah. Exit 104 is one of those where mm -hmm. all the Wendy's and stuff and the hotels, like not uh -huh. those exact businesses, but those types of businesses. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Before the merger. Therefore, it is allowed to have some urban development, which is why the soccer stadium, if they choose to go there, which is still a question. But if yes. they choose to go there, that is where they said this is the last place that we can put it yeah. because there are no other sites within the urban service boundary big enough to accommodate what we want. Uh -huh. And so that's like the best example because it's the one that most people know about probably. Yeah. But that type of thing happens a lot in Lexington where mm -hmm. a business wants to come in and they want a some kind of acreage for their business and they just cannot find it in Lexington. So they move to Georgetown or Richmond or um, Nicholasville or what have mm -hmm. you. Um, so that is another reason that... Um, the urban service boundary got expanded was to open more land for job development and economic opportunity because most of Lexington's like the city government, most of their revenue comes from taxes on jobs. So that's, yeah. Right. But I personally don't think that that is the, um, I mean, Fred Brown has said that that is why he voted to expand, but I think the majority of council members talked about housing yeah, about their votes um, for expansion, the ones who voted for it. Mm -hmm. um so like so that's the reason just straight up that is it yeah uh, and so um so that's what's going and I, I should know and this is also something council has said behind um behind the horseshoe like during the meetings is that ground probably won't be broken on this developable like this expansion area for three to five years so this yeah. isn't something that's going to happen immediately which uh -huh. critically like if it's going to be that long we don't know what things are going to be like by then um like housing wise like maybe the market crashes and things are cheap again uh -huh. um, and but also that frankly could be a very optimistic viewpoint like yes I, yes I mean, things are so crazy that i genuinely don't know what's going to happen with the housing market or yeah. like what effect this expansion yeah. does have and you know it's so it's so hard to predict one way or the other but the housing crisis is so urgent mm -hmm. and, i mean like louisville is the biggest city in kentucky obviously it mm -hmm. is 
so much easier to find affordable housing in Louisville than it is Lexington. Yeah. It's, you know, it's really, really bad here. Um, So, so, I mean, that's the, that's the main reason. It Um, blows my mind. Why? Cause you know, people love talking about like infill and development or whatever, but I'm, I'm very confused. Like, like why I feel like there's so many council members that are even like savvy to this, like discourse around like, um, uh, around like, like upzoning things, you know, and stuff. And I'm always shocked to, to see that, like, they would rather sort of just, um, go for sort of this, like, uh, like five years out expansion of the urban service boundary, than even toy with something like, dare I say it, like rent control. So I'm glad you mentioned that because I think that is generally a, uh, like, a semi-fair point to make in that like the infill and redevelopment is like that is like the often posed as the counter to expansion like mm-hmm. we should focus on infill and redevelopment rather than expansion mm-hmm. i think this council does not see that dichotomy the same way um and they and this is most i think various council members have said things about this in this manner but i'll give most of the credit um i get in, in terms of just like delivering this message to vice mayor dan Wu. Mm-hmm. Um, so there is an infill and redevelopment commission um that exists that just looks at ways to make infill and redevelopment easier and and they've been working on some things over the last few years but um vice mayor Wu has been very very vocal about wanting to just like speed up their work and make infill and redevelopment incredibly easy and like because at the moment it's not and i think that's yeah see like um i think like this council is new enough that i don't know that this is a thing that will has happened or will happen but this happened for people across the political spectrum um if you're on the left or right or center um a candidate gets elected that you're incredibly excited for because they're going to make you think they'll make a ton of change and do all of these awesome things and then they get in office and what often happens is they get there with big ideas and then they learn that oh it's not easy to make these big ideas happen and then they yeah. just kind of like go with the flow of the system um, totally i mean yeah. i'm i'm overwhelmed just trying to like follow what council does i can't imagine actually like yeah. being a council member oh god i mean um, it's so tough but i yeah. think that in the infill and redevelopment world Vice Mayor Wu is, he's shown up and he's had his ideas. He's learned they're complicated. And instead of being like, oh, well, things are complicated. Oh, well, he's like, what if we make them not so complicated? Yes, (laughs) thank God. So so if you're someone that's passionate about infill and redevelopment, I think that some good things might come down the pike for you. Mm -hmm. Um, Because he's taking that work incredibly seriously. Um, And... um, and the council by and large, I think, is like wanting to emit this idea that we are expanding the urban service boundary, but infill and redevelopment is still a priority or mm-hmm. or it is a priority um, that uh, that we want to begin working on. So it's not and, you know, we'll see how things actually shake out practically because like it, a lot of this stuff is hard. And Lexington historically has had an incredibly strict zoning code. Um, but that is kind of being chipped at over time, mm-hmm. uh, that, but, you know, we'll see, we'll see what happens. Um, but council is not very 
interested in posing expansion and infill as these like enemies that you have to pick one or the other. They're going, they're trying to pursue both yeah. uh, at the same time in a way. And maybe, and maybe me saying this is a little bit unfair to previous councils just because this is a council that's in a comp plan cycle. So these conversations uh -huh. are happening more. Um, but I do feel like it's like, there's more intentionality behind that than what I've seen and heard and learned about in the past. Yeah. So, and, you know, jury's still out. We'll see what happens, but that's, that's how they're thinking. Um, at least, you know, that's how they're talking about issues. I can't speak to what their behind the scenes meetings are or anything like that, but yeah. in public meetings from big council meetings to different subcommittees and stuff, they're thinking about both of those as solutions. So, yeah. Uh -huh. Cool. All right. Well, folks, I guess Vice Mayor Wu is on the case. Um, we're all going to go. We're all showing up to the infill and redevelopment committee with big T-shirts um, and stuff. You know, I don't No, I mean, you know, you should go like seriously. I mean, I'm a little biased because I'm, you know, work in this space. I think most city meetings are very fascinating. But the infill yes. and redevelopment committee, especially like if you're interested in going to those, start going to them now because a project they're working on, they've been working on it for a little while is um so zone changes can be initiated by um by developers um by the government and um i think just general citizens um, uh -huh. property that they own um or is near the, or some they have some connection to generally uh -huh. it's like resident but it's mostly like developers and businesses ask for rezonings to uh -huh. if they want something that used to be an office but they want to put a brewery there or something then they have to get a zone change for that the uh -huh. government very rarely initiates them but they the infill and redevelopment committee is working on testing out what a government initiating upzone for a medium-sized area of land looks like so they're looking at waller avenue some property uh. there, um, which are mostly currently r1 so single family zoning Mm -hmm. bumping that up to R3, just doing it without yeah. anyone asking to, just to kind of see what happens. Yeah. Uh, so they, they, and this is not a thing that's happened yet, but they are um, right now, actually fairly soon, like in August, once, because a lot of those are student rentals. Um, mm -hmm. Most of the land, most of the houses they're looking at are not owner-occupied. Yeah. Um, they're going to try to do some public input events and like, you know, community meetings and just kind of see how people feel. Yeah. Uh, and along with like property owners and things like that. Um, but that's something they're working on. And I'm very fat. It'll be, you know, it'll probably be a year or so before like the, if the rezoning vote happens, uh -huh. it'll probably be a while before we get there. Um, but I think that that's a really, um, a really interesting project they're doing um, just to kind of see, how the government can be a little more proactive in these zoning things. So uh -huh. if that's something that sounds interesting to you, go to these meetings. And I will put out a um, a full disclosure that Richard Young, the executive director of Civiclex, is on that commission. Ah, uh, so uh, it's it's a very uh, it's a very like genuinely a very in terms of ideas about like how property should be in real estate should be managed yeah. and stuff. He's got a very, very wide away yeah. of interest in that commission. Yeah. So these um, are one of the many commissions that just like any guy in Lexington can actually find themselves on if they want to, or actually, no, no, um, 
this one is not um there are there there are i can't remember how many there are but there's somewhere between like 70 and 100 boards and commissions that any old joe can apply to and i highly encourage applying them uh -huh. um but uh the infill and redevelopment um a steering committee's the technical name infill and redevelopment is one that was created so the mayor can make any commission or subcommittee or not i'm sorry not subcommittee uh, any commission or board that they want to the vice mayor can also do the same thing so oh. this is something that i don't know who the vice mayor was that made it i I don't know if it was Steve K. It probably came before him. Uh -huh. um, he was like the kind of manager chair of it when he was the vice mayor. Now it's now it's Dan Wu. Um, uh -huh. The vice mayor picks who's on it. Um, okay. So there's no, I mean, you could uh, potentially email vice mayor Wu and be like, hey, I'm interested in this. Vice mayor Wu, let me on your council. It's not one that you submit like a traditional application for. And um, I also have a feeling that um, it's probably not one that I'm very sorry to say, Jenry, if you wanted to be on, I don't know what your shots are. <laughs> but, well, um, um, I should try. I should be like, hi, um, I'm just a normal citizen. I have nothing to do with uh, podcasting. Um <laughs> I work, I work in, yes, I work in development, um, actually even, you know, I don't, whatever. Yeah. Um, but I think that could be a great, you know, Adrian, it's glad because I, someone else from Civic Lex, I forget who suggested to me a long time ago that Pete, like, like that there's just all these boards and shit you can join. And I think that could be a great, like season three component for lame is, um, we embed ourselves in city government and don't tell them. Um, I mean, I mean you should go for it. Um, I, I've applied to a few and I've not made it on yet. Um, I'm going to, I'm just going to, I'm sorry, the folks at the parking authority board, I'm just going to keep submitting my application every time it comes available. Yes. I'll, I'm joining you, I will, Adrian. I will I'm joining you the, until I get on there. I'm um, joining you in the parking authority board. Listen, we'll be public enemies. Number one and two. It'll be we, great. And especially after it's the last few months. Um, but that and the transit board are what I'm just kind of spamming them every time an application comes up. Um, but no dice yet. And you know what? Maybe I need to get a little more work in my pocket before I could be useful on there. But whatever. Anyway, um, yeah. but there are a ton that you can apply to. And and there are some, you know, quote unquote, higher profile ones like the police discipline review board probably got a ton of applications. But there's yes. a lot of scrutiny into who gets uh -huh. on them. Um, but then there are some like the uh, like the uh, I use the example of the tree because they do a lot of amazing work. Um, but it's generally if you're just excited about trees in Lexington, <laughs> you probably get on it because they don't have a lot of applicants. And it's also like like that's a niche enough thing. Like it's sort of a self-selecting thing where people applying to the tree board probably have good intentions for. Trees. Yeah, yeah. Um, uh, or the. um I'm trying to think of what another one is like the senior um senior services um commission mm -hmm. which does like all things you know related to senior citizens um they're also one that generally attracts people who are actually incredibly passionate about it and not trolls you know uh -huh. um but yeah you should go on and just look at all of the vacancies and things that exist um there are a few i've wanted to join for a while i've not been able to because most a lot of them have like requirements like they have to represent the racial um, diversity of Lexington. So there's mm -hmm. like, or um, you have to be 
there they have to get a certain number from different industries or community groups or such and such. Sometimes uh -huh. some of them have like party breakdowns, like there have to be a certain number of Democrats and Republicans. Um, but one that you see a lot is they have to be an elected member of a neighborhood association. Interesting. Um, but in my neighborhood association, we're act, we've had a couple meetings so far and we're working on getting it back up. So uh -huh. if my neighbors like me and want to elect me to something, yeah, then I, can get, I can get on that vacant property review board. That's one I've wanted to get on. For a while. <laughs> um, Perfect. Nerd. Um, but uh, I'm trying to think. Uh, were there any other urban service boundary questions you had for me? Um, man, if there were, they've all left my head. Um, I feel like I've been painted a pretty good picture of um, of a, what has and hasn't happened in regards to mm. the urban service boundary. Um, I hope I I feel like uh, I got a good summary. I got a good I got a good education today. Um, I'm glad that we followed it up with, you know, a call to action for our many listeners, you know what to do now. Um, and, and so, um, if you are a listener who has not engaged with civic likes at all, um, if you go to our web civiclex.org, um, you can, we have a weekly newsletter that goes out that goes over all the important things happening in city hall that week. And once the planning commission starts picking up this expansion area plan, We'll be working through all of that. And we also try very hard to delineate what meetings they accept public comment at versus which ones they don't. So, mm -hmm. so you should have a general sense of, you'll learn like what they're talking about, what times, location and stuff. But uh -huh. we try to label like, especially if it's a high profile issue, like if there's public comment or if there's not public comment. Um, yeah. So, so if you want to get involved in any of this stuff, there will be opportunities for you to, um, so you can just kind of keep track on what we were up to, um, to stay in the know on that. Um, I wonder, I'm trying to think if there's anything else I wanted to, um, touch on, I guess I, I, I will talk just very briefly if it's okay about the yes. no vote. Go for it. And why. Um, so the three no votes were, um, uh, or actually it's a little complicated because what happened was they had the vote on the. The language for the specific theme and then uh, later on they voted on the entire comprehensive plan package like yes yes so vice mayor dan Wu and district 10 council member dave savigny voted no in the initial like urban service boundary language uh -huh. but then they ended up voting yes on the comprehensive plan as a whole because uh -huh. the rest of it they were very happy with so uh -huh. they also knew that like their no votes would be mostly symbolic yeah was um, Kathy Plowman out for one of these meetings? Kathy Plowman was out at the meeting where the whole proposal about, like where the expansion parameters were um, decided. So uh -huh. whenever Councilmember Worley made his proposal for the acreage and all of that stuff was settled, she was not there for health reasons. Uh -huh. um, so, and for the listener, she's the District 12 council member. So she represents all of all of the area outside the urban service boundary. She yeah. has a few pockets of her district that are um, inside the boundary, but for the most part, she represents rural Fayette County. So she has an incredibly large interest. So uh -huh. at that meeting for health reasons. So when the vote came for the entire comprehensive plan package, um, she voted no and Hannah Legree voted no. Um, mm -hmm. The district three council member, which is like, Downtown and campus area, pretty much is like, and kind of south of campus now. 
following uh, yeah, a little bit day. south of campus a, ton, um, a little bit um but uh but that's pretty much you know where where she's worked where she represents um yeah and so the no votes for um they all kind of you except for handle agree she didn't she's never said anything like this that i know of um but all the other council members including kathy plumman have all said something to the effect of expansion is inevitable but we want to it goes back to the data driven plan we want to have like a concrete plan yeah work before we do it um and they simply felt that the proposal that ended up being passed was just not enough like it wasn't yeah. detailed enough to go forward um but uh so that was their reasoning. And then Councilmember Legree is definitely the most vocal anti-expansion advocate um, mm -hmm. far. And her reasoning mostly has to do with urban sprawl and climate change are really Amen. Crazy. Amen, Hannah. <laughs> and also, and this is another we didn't really talk about afford like capital A affordable housing in this uh, which yeah. is a element it's so um, well there's so much there, to it that's beyond this scope the, yeah the short answer is council wants to make sure there's affordable capital a affordable housing in the expansion area but they have no way to make that happen like yeah. they can't legislate that into existence um but with that said there's also a whole conversation um around if having like affordable housing that far away from the city center is a good idea. Yeah. Because, because they'll, you know, and we'll see like what I imagine the expansion area master plan will try to like mitigate this concern, but there yeah. is a concern that if it's that far out away from jobs and the university and mm -hmm. schools and such that the, the people who most need like affordable housing will be the farthest away from the services that they also probably need the most. Yes. Uh, yes, totally. Yeah. I mean, so that, so that's a real concern that, um, and that is something that various council members have shared concerns about. Um, yeah. Unless, I mean, unless this like expansion ends up being this sort of like miraculous, like new central business district, like, hyper dense you know r4 only thing or whatever mm -hmm. um you know like 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 that's i mean like that's really what it's gonna i'm, I'm i mean that's my I, I take i think i take a very pessimistic look on a lot of a lot of this stuff i don't know if i should but i do um, i mean i think that um and and i think like when I, I'm addressing the pessimism, I think I'm I think I'm understanding what your pessimism is. So uh -huh. this is like mine or anything like that. Um, uh -huh. In terms of like seeing how that development's going to shake out, I'm going to be very fascinated because so much of the discourse around development in Lexington right now is you know and and across the country, it's not just the Lexington thing. Things mm -hmm. about like density and multimodal transportation and sustainable development and things like that. Mm -hmm. um, and really like trying to retrofit a city that was not built around any of those things mm -hmm. like, trying to push that in yeah. um, seeing how if and how those ideas are implemented into a development a large development area from scratch uh -huh. very curious to see yeah how that, so um and the, and the council has done like some good things um, for good things in the eyes of urbanists around like that stuff. So parking lot minimums are abolished mm -hmm. um, in Lexington. 
And if you're not familiar, it just means like in the past developments had to have a minimum number of parking spots relative to some square footage or bedrooms or such and such. Now those are gone by mm -hmm. complete. Yeah. Um, and, uh, and this is something that like people who are in this world um, who care about that gave likes and the props on that past, but did not talk about that. There's actually rules about how parking lots when they are built are developed, like tree canopy coverage, pedestrian, like better pedestrian access. So you're not just walking like you're not walking to the Walmart down the same lane that cars are driving at you. Type yes, yes, bike, that would be nice. There are bike parking requirements. So if there is car parking, there has to be bike parking. Nice. Well lit and secure and such and such. Mm -hmm. um, so that's like a whole big thing. Um, James Brown, I don't know what the whole council thinks about this, but James Brown has talked about um, trying to find a way to prohibit R1 zoning for all new developments in Lexington. Uh-huh. I don't know where that's going to go. Uh, like yeah. I, said, I don't know how anyone else on council feels about that. Um, yeah. But he's someone that, and, and I have, I have a lot of respect for everyone on council, um, but I have a lot of respect for him for, for, for his pragmatism. And I don't think that he would be someone who would be talking about that openly if he didn't think it was possible. So yeah. Yeah. So if, that's, so if like, if you're a, uh, anti r1 zoning person i think there's some hope for you at least in that like for new developments I yeah don't see the world where it's retroactive anytime soon but i don't know mm -hmm. um yeah. i mean we're still only six months into this new council so anything you know they and they've got you know a year and a half left so who knows mm -hmm. what's gonna happen um but yeah seeing like how those planning ideals that are so heavily discussed now how those are implemented on a brand new area mm -hmm. um you know, I don't know what's going to happen. So yeah, it'll be. So I think like if that's something you're interested in, I, there's definitely cause for concern, but I also think that there could be some cause for optimism. Um, uh -huh. But again, I don't know. I have no, I, I mean, we'll have to wait and see what this expansion area master plan looks like and if they can actually implement that, you know? Yes. Yes. There's a lot of, a lot of what ifs, a lot of mystery in the air. Um, yeah. Know. Um. <laughs> And yeah, oh, one last thing about the capital A affordable housing council can't make it happen, but they part of the comprehensive plan was they added language asking the planning commission to recommend to council ways that they can incentivize capital A affordable housing. Yeah, so they can't they can't just put in like housing like affordable housing requirements because of a state law thing or that's my guess. I actually don't know. I'm not intimate with the legal reasonings for that. Um but I would guess it's probably something like that. Um, yeah. Because like the affordable housing developments that happen are generally like brokered like case by case. Uh -huh. um, and most affordable housing um, in Lexington is developed by developers who explicitly develop affordable housing. Um, mm. So so generally they, I've, my sense is like they approach council when they want to like develop things. And because affordable housing like in the federal sense, like has to be subsidized in some way, just like in the current housing market. It has I see. To yeah, yeah. So they have to figure out if council is going to subsidize it, which they do set aside millions of dollars every year mm -hmm. for that. Um, and then like the federal or state government, if they're going to add some you know, money in on that. Um, so it's like, it's something that's, I think my impression is that's tweaked out on a case by case thing. And for whatever reason, um, 
at the at the moment anyway, council can't just say there has to be affordable housing. I think a part of that is that goes back to the specificity that we talked yeah. about with the acreage and the areas that uh -huh. they can't say like there has to be all like 45% of units have to be built in the expansion area have to be affordable housing. Like I think that's an element of it, but I also think there's probably some state or maybe federal laws about like property rights of yeah that say they can't require such and such. I'm not hundred yeah. percent sure. Uh-huh. Um, Interesting. Well, I mean, you know, this is, I think, for me, I think my final note on this whole conversation is like, um, is like, uh, you know, whether for legal reasoning or for like a lack of popular imagination, I feel like um, uh, there's a lot that city council could attempt to do that they're not. Like if I was, of course, placed in charge um uh a supreme dictator of the Lexington Fader and County government. Um I simply would bypass all of this by um building all the housing myself, you know. <laughs> but that's not a conversation I think um anyone on city in City Hall is ready to have. Um, um I'm gonna counter you slightly. Only okay. Sli no. of and this may surprise surprise you, um, but Preston Worley has talked about wanting to develop a program where the city government is a like a competitor with private landowners for buying land in Lexington. Fascinating. Like if, if there's a plot of land that is in a good location or has some potential, like he is interested in trying to get the city to like bid on that land and buy it so they can build either build housing or jobs or whatever themselves or uh. sell it to other people to like under the certain parameters of like, we'll sell this to you. Yeah. You build affordable housing or yeah. like, um, and you see like there are European countries where that's the case where the government is, um, is a competitive bidder for land in the same way that private. Yeah. You don't see that a lot in the U S but that's something that he's interested in. So, so yeah. there's, well, there's a chance again, that's a thing similar to the James Brown R one thing. I don't know what the rest of council feels about that. Yeah. But, um, but uh, council member Worley is very interested in making well, that happen. So. That's fascinating to me. That would be the last guy I think I would expect. But yeah, I think that, you know, he's gotten the reputation because he's been such a vocal advocate. Um, he's become he's become to some people the hear the hero of the urban service boundary thing, like people who want to see expansion. Yeah. Um, sorry if my dog's collar shaking got that was totally, mind. totally fine. Totally yeah. fine, Adrian. Um, <laughs> Anyway, so he's become a hero to some and then a complete villain to others <laughs> for people who don't want to expand because they want to protect horse farms or uh -huh. urban or such and such. Um, but I think, you know, I think that he is, I mean, everyone is a much more nuanced person than whatever their reputation is in a government or per personal or professional levels, so all, all of that. Um, but I do think he he's definitely like savvy enough. And this kind of goes back to like what I was talking about, like why those areas, the Winchester and Nathan Spoonsboro road areas mm -hmm. are like quote, unquote prime real estate for expansion. Yeah. He's attuned to that. And I don't think would support expansion into, I don't know what's a like off like Leestown road or yeah. like uh -huh. those like active farms. Cause there aren't many, if any, active horse farms in the area that will most likely be expanded into. Um, uh -huh. Well, I think that, you know, he, 
he has always been very pro expansion and I think genuinely sees it as a solution. But he I would not say that he is in the pocket of uh, developers in the way that he often gets touted as being. Um, uh -huh. No, that's just my, you know, per, the rare personal read I'll offer on this podcast. Is OK, that, OK. Much, he is a much more uh, complicated man than that. Um, I think as seen by like him wanting to, you know, work on this city buying land actively. Yeah. Um, and also like we go back to the infill and redevelopment thing. Developers want infill and redevelopment to be easy. Yes. They don't want it to be hard. They don't want to work through hundreds of pages of regulations. Mm -hmm. So so I think that and then again in all this, like developers are often made out to be I sound like Blake Hall. <laughs> so good, developers are often made out to be a villain and and often and genuinely often they do things that are not in the public interest. But also, you know, if you're someone that's passionate about infill and redevelopment, the city has not has historically made it incredibly hard so that now we have people in city government who want to do it, but they just have to figure out how to how to unbuild this incredibly uh -huh. complicated pyramid of regulations to make it happen. So uh -huh. well, Adrian, this has been a fascinating conversation. Um, I hope we've gained a lot of insight from it. I feel like I've learned a lot um, and whatnot. And I just got to, we got to cut it off now because we're, we are definitely at time. Yeah. When, um, um, whenever, uh, whenever Jenry invited me to come on and we were talking about it, um, actually just a few hours ago, he's like, can we keep it like 25 to 30 minutes? <laughs> yeah, whatever. Aaron, I knew Aaron that can have. Gonna happen, but I was like, oh, we can keep, I can probably keep it below 45 and, here I am. So anyway, hey. thank you for inviting me on. Thank you for putting me in the not a clown column. I hope uh -huh. that I hope that hasn't changed over the hour sure. or so of this podcast. <laughs> yeah. So, so you've plugged Civic Lex. Mm -hmm. Um, is there any, anything else you want to advertise while you're on the show? Um, that's a great question. Is there anything else I want to advertise? Um, you know, so yeah, I've plugged Civic Lex. Um I'll I'll put on. I mentioned earlier I wear different hats around town. I'm on the board of directors for Broke Spoke Community Bike Shop, mm -hmm. uh, which I feel like is something that your listeners would probably be pretty interested in. Me personally, uh, I need a bike right now. So yeah, yeah, perfect. You know, yeah, we're a nonprofit bike shop um, <laughs> that uh, we we sell bikes for incredibly cheaply. The idea is that our main clientele, although not exclusively, but the people that we work to serve are people who need bicycles for transportation because they can't afford a car or something like that. Mm -hmm. um, so we set, we repair bikes for very affordably. We sell bikes that are donated to us after working on repairing them for very affordably. Um, we only have one paid staff person and he, Luke Box, who's incredible. We hired him last summer. Um, but so we're mostly volunteer run. So if you have any interest in working on bikes or doing customer service stuff or working with events, there's a lot of opportunities. But yeah, I mean, you know, if you want a bike generally and you have, you know, just a few bucks to spare, we can we can make it. I'd say on average, the bike price is probably like the average bike price is probably like 100 to $125. All right, so, folks, you heard it here first. Go to Broke Spoke Thursdays and Sundays, one to five. It's right by West Six Brewing in the same building. So all right. Yeah. All right. yeah. Cool. Well, Adrian, once again, thank you so much for coming on. And to our regular listeners, I will you will see me sometime sooner than maybe you have gotten used to. 
who knows no as as always that's the lame promise no promises um and uh and until we see again um good luck and uh yes i will find aaron for the next recording so don't worry um bye peace peace